to the SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution. I'm your host, Alex Humer, and uh, as you know, we've had a ton of US and European founders and investors on this show, but SaaS is truly global, and we want to represent that on the SaaS Revolution show. So today, my guest on the show is our first founder and CEO of a SaaS company based in India. Welcome to the show, Krish Subramanian, co-founder and CEO of Chargebeat. Thank you, Alex. How are you? Yeah, no, no, really good, really good, and um, you know, great to have you uh, on the show. Big fan of uh, uh, you know Chargebee, although I don't use you guys uh, myself, but I, I, I read your your blog, the SaaS Dispatch, um, and um, yeah, so uh, super excited to uh, to speak with you today. So, uh, you, what I normally do, Chris, uh, you know, to start off the show is to allow my guests to give a bit of an intro to themselves to the company. So, can you provide an intro to Chargebee? You know, what do you do? Uh, you know, when did you start the company? Where are you based? You know, who are your customers? Thank you. Uh, so Chargebee is a subscription management and a recurring billing solution built on top of Stripe, Braintree and all the payment gateways. Um, right now we serve customers in 48 countries um, and uh, we serve customers in software as a service space with customers like Freshdesk uh, and in the e-commerce subscription space with customers like Soylent. Uh, and why me please like we started the company sometime in the later part of 2011 as four founders uh, basically engineers who were just uh, building this product out of an apartment and the product has been in the market for the last uh, close to three years now uh, and we serve uh, customers in these 48 countries now okay awesome and um, so so your uh, HQ is in in, in Chennai uh, is that right well uh, the as a company we are incorporated as a C Corp Delaware. Yep. that's the headquarters for from technical for all technical purposes. But Chennai is home, and this is where most of the team members are. Okay. So we have a two seater office in Sunnyvale, and the rest of the team members are in Chennai. Okay. Uh, is it is there a bit of a SaaS hub there in in Chennai, or is it is it just charge fee? <laughs> it, it, it is, right? Uh, we are trying to make it the SaaS capital with a bunch of uh, enterprise SaaS companies based here. You might have heard of Zoho. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of like a, an alumni for all the founders uh, of at least a few popular companies here. Freshdesk, uh, the helpdesk product that is taking on uh, the world with more than customers in more than 200 countries. They are our neighbors. Um, there is Index. And charge B. Uh, there is also Kissflow. So there are a bunch of software as a service companies in the enterprise space that are based in Chennai. Okay, and yeah. are they all the, uh, the the Zoho Mafia? Uh, is that right? Are you part of the Zoho Mafia? Uh, correct. That is correct. Okay. Part of the yes. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, and um, so, I, really, today, what I want to talk about is is you know the early days. Um, you know, of when you started the company. You're getting from zero uh, to a hundred paying customers. Um, so, you happy to talk about that topic? Sure, would so, love to. No, excellent, excellent. So, how did Chargebee? How did you, you know, get your first paying customer? Right. Um, so, from the beginning, uh, <laughs> that definitely the most exciting phase of the company, right, and the most worrisome one, getting those first few customers. Um, so, getting the word out. Um, was a primary challenge for a bunch of engineers. So we started off looking at it as more of a customer service driven sales. So we would hang out in customer support forums 
of payment gateways um, or Hacker News, Stack Overflow, wherever people were asking questions about recurring billing or challenges around uh, how do I solve this, how do I solve that, we would go and give a helpful answer. And then we would also say, by the way, we are building a billing system. If you would like to be part of the beta, we would welcome you. And that is how we seeded the message around. And we also started doing some writing some blogs. And that is how we got most of the inbound interest. And incidentally, our first customer was from UK. Um, the customer called Flavorbox. It's a subscription uh, box business. Mm-hmm. And he became a key driver helping us with lots of inputs in, when it comes to what to build in the initial iteration. Okay, awesome. And so your, your customer acquisition strategy, you've outlined um, a, a lot of it there. Um, but, you know, so from zero to 100 customers, was it more of the same? Um, you know, or, or did you alter your strategy as you kind of ramped up? Now we've got our first customer, paying customer. Now we're, you know, going for the 100 paying customers. You know, what else did you do to, to get to that, you know, your first 100? Well, um, from the beginning and even now, uh, our uh, tactics that have worked has remained the same, mm-hmm. uh, primarily driven around uh, inbound content marketing. So we did more of these blogs. There have been few crazy stuff that I also tried, like Whiteboard Mondays to teach a few things. Mm-hmm. I was inspired by uh, Moz founder Ran Fishkin, and mm-hmm. I tried Whiteboard Mondays a bit. Uh, but the thing that worked well, which came quite naturally, was uh, writing helpful blogs. Um, and that is what we did pretty much, and that is what drove traffic as well as conversions for us. So through the first 100 to 200 customers, that is what we did. Okay, and, and so you mentioned, you, you know, it, it's pretty much this, the same now, right? So um, you're just continuing what you started. That is correct. Even though we do identify a lot more channels that are working, uh, it's more about uh, the, the the primary channel or the driver for the business has been 80 to 90% inbound uh, leads that come through organic and direct traffic. And that's healthy. <laughs> but at the same time, you are always looking for those additional channels that would keep working, uh, that would actually give you that ramp up uh, in terms of growth. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's where it is. Okay, and, and what about, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if the buzz is, is dying, uh, but, you know, growth hacking certainly, um, you, you know, was a strong buzzword, I think, you know, in 2015. Um, you know, were you tempted in the early days to, I guess a two-part question here, were you tempted in the early days to, you know, employ any sort of growth hacks to get early traction or initial traction? Um, and do you think that SaaS companies, SaaS startups can growth hack their way to, uh, I, I don't know, kind of success, uh, shall we say? <laughs> growth hacks can definitely give that jump in terms of uh, things uh, that the the short term boost that boost that you need, uh, in my opinion, growth they are not the sustainable channels, right? So it's more about especially in B two B space. I believe in building sustainable channels for long term, um, and that could be anything. It could be about figuring out ways to do sales or creating those cold leads and converting them into warm leads through outbound sales, or it could be uh, inbound. Um, but I believe that uh, growth growth hacks are slightly short term. Okay. Okay. Understood. And um, so you, I think you mentioned, uh, you, you know, right at the beginning, Charge B uh, was four co-founders, all I think ex Zoho, um, correct? Uh, and the three of them are from Zoho. Okay. I come from um, services companies. I used to work as a developer in uh, different services companies, 
Okay, uh, but but you but but, but there were there are four co-founders for for Charge B, right? That is correct. Okay, uh, and who owned sales and marketing uh, in, in the beginning? Was it yourself? <laughs> I do, I do, and I was a worse programmer, so <laughs> naturally I drifted towards sales, marketing, making tea, uh, <laughs> pretty much everything that is non-technical. Uh, as was on my plate and I just continued evolving trying to learn everything uh, all the way from differentiating what is marketing versus sales all the way through writing blogs and all that and that is where I gravitated towards Um, and the rest of the team actually builds an amazing product. Okay, okay and um, within that you know zero to 100 customers uh, sort of milestone that that, you know we're, we're talking about you know, at what point, or, or you know, did you make uh, you know any uh, sales or marketing hires? Um, you know, if, if so, what point? If not, you know, I- I explain why not. Sure. Um, so, till the point of getting the first hundred customers, we did not make um, any sales or marketing hires. Uh, especially, we did not hire any salesperson. So the simple reason being, we actually focus more on the customer support part. It's, it's more like doing the non-scalable things when it came to onboarding customer. So we focused on consultative customer support, which in turn turned into a sales engine in itself. So even now, the way we do uh, sales is to only manage the CRM really well to not have a leaky bucket. But other than that, uh, we pretty much focus more on consultative customer support and even the sales folks uh, tend to get into product demos and also providing customer support. Um, but when it came to marketing, we do we did hire somebody on the content side from the early days, but it was more to create content on a regular basis so that we could actually push that at volume. Once we learned that certain things are working, I hired a consultant who could actually hire, write for me. I would write the first draft and he would go back to finish the blog and come back. And that's pretty much how we bootstrapped our way through the first 100, 200 customers. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And, um, and and so we've talked or discussed that your marketing strategy today is pretty much predominantly inbound marketing. Um, you know, what point do you expect that to change? You know, at all? Um, you, you know, have you any sort of plans to to start doing a bit more sort of outbound uh, uh, marketing? Uh, Sure. Uh, There have been a few experiments that we did. Our AdWords is beginning to work extremely well. So Mm -hmm. there has been, uh, we have been doubling down on that. We also did interesting guerrilla marketing in the recent conferences. Okay. uh, uh, (laughs) Explain, uh, explain. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So recently we went to San Francisco and attended uh, Saster, uh, S-A-A-S-T-R dot com. So if you are into sales uh, or in, in any SaaS company which is focusing on growth, you should definitely attend this event. So we went to this event and then interestingly we came up with this idea to distribute uh, what we called as funny SaaS commandments. Um, so thou shall not uh, steal thy neighbor's growth hacks, thou mm-hmm. shall not bear false MRR, thou shall not do false double billing, right? Things like that, but just a funny take on commandments. And then we printed these and later on what we did was uh, to double down on that and how do we push that message more effectively is what we tried to do. Um, so somebody came up with this idea to actually have a couple of interns dressed up as nuns yeah. who would uh, walk around and start distributing these uh, pamphlets, which is these nice cards. 
but strange thing happened this particular event was happening outside a cathedral yeah. and people were avoiding us thinking these were real nuns right okay <laughs> so so actually i i was there at the conference and i remember i remember that morning i think it was about 8:30 in the morning i was sitting down having a cup of coffee and i saw these nuns walking around <laughs> and i was like what the hell is going on here <laughs> so i do remember that but i didn't know it was charged be but uh, yeah that's, wow. a, that's a nice okay. uh, a nice little stunt um um, did you could you measure any ROI from that? Um, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, so when people were avoiding, the next day we actually printed bigger cardboards and started walking around. And then something interesting happened. Uh, people started uh, reading those when we avoided, uh, when we stopped giving anything to them. They started reading what was printed, and they were in big letters. And then it brought a smile, and people started walking towards us, the the sisters, and they wanted to take pictures. Then they started tweeting about it. So for a $400 that we spent on printing and then buying the, the dress for the nuns and all that, we actually had so much of impact where people, uh, we created a lot more impressions on Twitter it, and we bagged, uh, actually we landed uh, an interview with uh, uh, 90 Seconds TV and the official photographers also took uh, a TV uh, a photograph of the nuns and uh, tried to understand what we were doing. And we also got covered uh, in the blogs and also we got an opportunity to write blog, uh, guest blog in Tech in Asia. So the coverage was pretty good in terms of the things that we could do at the event and then followed through. Okay, I th I th I, it definitely sounds a, a pretty good sort of ROI there and perhaps um, you know, we should encourage uh, you know, more uh, early, well let's say early stage, you, you've got, you guys are not so early stage anymore, but you know, SaaS companies to, uh, to, to employ some you know, guerrilla marketing in their uh, in their marketing strategy, um, so it's a, a, out of the uh, the Mark Benioff playbook uh, that one it seems. Um, uh, and uh, so moving on uh, from sort of marketing, uh, well, I guess it's still it, it's very much sort of related actually. Um, so sort of looking at your your website, you know, one of the things that you guys do uh, is you have um, you know within your pricing uh, a launch plan. Um, and, and this seems sort of, you know, I think very much sort of aimed at sort of startups. But can you give me and the audience, uh, you, you know, some sort of insights on the idea behind the launch plan? Sure. Um, so I believe that pricing is a great filter. And uh, as a, any SaaS company, through the first two to three years, we iterate on pricing quite a lot in terms of understanding the value proposition and then the type of customers they are, that we attract and how much can we charge, right? Uh, and we all know that the right price is the one that the customer is willing to pay. So which means that most companies say, most SaaS experts say that you should keep incre increasing your price to actually understand at what point customers push back, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but of course, with, with the, the, the whole concept of grandfathering in and keeping your promise. Uh, and interestingly, we iterated around, tested around uh, certain things around premium pricing model. Uh, in our first version of premium pricing model that we tried two years back, we tried uh, having 10 invoices free per month. And it turned out many prospects were also thinking they, they were not going to grow beyond 10 invoices per month. And these were service companies and they would come in and then stay free. But as a company, as a, as a SaaS product, our intention is to attract companies which want to grow and eventually become a paid cust paying customer. And contradictory to our belief, these companies were coming in as free customers. And uh, so we understood, learned a bunch of lessons. Pro we kept the promise 
but we moved on from the pricing model and uh, we launched our uh, we we did away with our freemium tier but interestingly the conversion jumped by uh, 100% when we had the freemium tier and then it continued to stay at that level even when we removed the freemium tier which means that which meant our revenues went up and after a year or so after we sunset the the freemium tier we could not let go of that learning but we wanted to still dabble with free at least a little bit so we went back iterated on this in this time by testing out a free 10k tier but instead of actually saying 10k per month free we said first $10000 is free on us is how we started as an experimental pricing uh using a form that people could opt in and interestingly we found a lot of them opting in and we learned that okay so the customers are willing to come in to try your product and then make money and if it's a great fit they are more will more than happy to stay with you and we said now let's do a launch plan which would make it $50000 free tier for early stage company so they do not have to build the tool internally and yet it's a win win situation where when they start growing they start growing with us mm-hmm. right and that's how we launched the launch plan and it has been a uh, has been bringing us very good results so far in the last 3 months okay okay thank you you know just wanted to get the the insights in into that and you know discuss uh, i i guess you know a little bit of pricing uh, there is you know part of uh, you, you know the discussions around uh, sort of marketing that we've been having um, now, as we go to like, the last two questions uh, here, we—I uh, I guess this is more, you know, from your own uh, sort of uh, experience, um, you know, that I want to talk about. So, how has your role as founder, you know, changed from, you know, inception um, when you were four guys in a in a garage or an apartment, um, you know, to to, to now, um, you know, what are the big differences uh, in, in your role? uh the primary role changes from being an individual contributor to becoming more of a people person enabling everybody to be at their best right that becomes the uh primary role so which means that you try recruiting more and more of smart people mm-hmm. and uh, surround yourself with smarter people who specialize in specific function and then help them deliver at their best right that has become my primary role that is how i look at it and more of a glue to connect sales marketing product uh customer support on all the functions together along with investor relationships though that has evolved over a period of time um yeah it 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 focuses more on the people aspect now <laughs> okay okay and and that, and that sort of well it sort of matches the the trend of i guess most of the founders that i've listened to um or say listened to sorry you know interviewed for this podcast um you know very much seems to be uh the same thing you you know a lot of focus you know more than 50% sometimes up to 70% you know focus is on hiring you know really really smart people um and um so so that seems to be uh seems to be the thing right um and and, and now just sort of the final question is really you know what is your biggest advice to to SaaS entrepreneurs you know listening to the show um you know what one piece of advice um you know can we get from uh Krish uh, Subramanian um uh to our our listeners uh sure so as an engineer turned into uh now a marketer or a sales person uh my biggest piece of advice is don't do premature optimization even in marketing or sales uh to explain that what i mean is just like in engineering you don't try to solve a problem that you don't have it should be the similar way in marketing where the focus must be on the right things at the right stage we read pretty much most things about optimizing the funnel 
uh, optimizing your entire product for a great onboarding experience and all that but yet i think we should not be obsessing too much about let's say conversion uh, even before you have enough number of visitors and leads coming in so which means that your top of the mind problem determines what do you focus on right now and i would say that approach to marketing would actually bring in good results uh, when you have less than 100 visitors a day in the beginning now then obsess yourself with the problem how do i bring in 1000 visitors a day while having little bit of inefficiency along the along the path in terms of people converting from visitors to trial or a trial to paid user right and then keep moving from one problem to the next so that's my advice which is to say focus on the right one which will help you deliver growth okay well thank you for that and and, and that's a, a unique piece of uh, advice that that we've had i think from all the episodes so um uh so so that's really uh, really really great and and uh, so that we come to the end of the show now christian and you know just want to say uh, a, a big thank you for uh, uh, for your time um you know it's a real pleasure uh, to speak with you and 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 have you on the uh, uh, on the podcast um and um, you know wishing all the best for uh, of charge b so just you know thanks very much for that thank you so much alex enjoy the conversation thank you yeah thank you and and for listeners at home you know if you liked uh, this episode of the sas revolution show we really appreciate if you could rate or review us on itunes and we'll see you next time